Hey, what's up, everybody? You are tuning in to the Airgun Podcast. Thanks again for checking us out. Uh, it's been a while since we've been uh, putting out content. As you guys know, things have been crazy, but here we go, back on track just before the new year. Uh, I just got some analytics back, actually, from Spotify. We are up 187% in streams from last year, and last year it was up a crazy amount already. So we are cooking with the podcast. So thank you guys so much for supporting. It really means a lot to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to me talk about air guns. Uh, but hopefully you're listening more for the guests that we have on. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, thanks again for checking us out. If you're on YouTube, please make sure that you hit the notification bell to stay up to date with all the new podcast episodes that we come out with and subscribe to the channel as well. And if you are listening on some other platform and you're not watching the video, well, just know that it's the same, except you can't see me. So take that for what it's worth. Anyway, we are jumping back into the series. Thanks again for everyone who has helped push the podcast along. All of the individual supporters, you guys know who you are. We are working slowly but surely to get this podcast sponsored by the industry professionals. And uh, that will just help us bring more content to you guys. And again, grow the sport of air gunning, which is what the podcast is all about. We want to get the people's stories who have been influential in pushing the air gun industry to where it is today and growing it and developing it into the awesome community that it is. And we also want to just grow the sport, get more people into it. And uh, we want to have a welcoming, friendly environment as we grow the podcast. So if you're new, thanks so much. Please stick around. And if you enjoy this video, give it a thumbs up, share it, comment, tell me something that you like about it. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Ergon Podcast. I'm here with Joe Rea from Cyclops Videos. And uh, you guys know this guy. He needs no introduction. But we're here at RMAC right now. We're away from the crowd um, just because we're trying to get some decent audio. Don't want a bajillion shots going on there. Yeah, plus it's gorgeous right here, too. Yeah, beautiful place. If you haven't been to Utah, uh, or somewhere in the Rockies and the Rocky Mountain Air Gun Challenge. Uh, really awesome place. But uh, we're here with Joe. So, Joe, uh, we got guys on Ventress right now, and mm -hmm. you are an optics guy. Um, so but let's just talk optics a little bit here. Okay. I'd be happy what, to. what is a good rule of thumb for optics for, let's say, competition and then hunting? What are some things to maybe consider? For me personally, with my hunting scopes, I like second focal plane. And the reason I like it is, once you go somewhere and you look through the scope, you're comfortable with the thickness of the reticle. You know, you don't have to worry about it changing. And so many guys, so many guys, buy a first focal plane scope to hunt with, and the lower end of a first focal plane scope is almost always useless. The first half of it, in a, any type of wooded environment, or even wide open like this, it's invisible. You know, you put it up against something, a background that has texture that's not a solid color and you can't see it. Where with the first focal plane, the benefit for it is, you know, the reference points don't change, but the, the crosshair grows with it. So when I'm hunting, I want to know what I'm going to be looking through when I throw it up and look through it. And normally when I'm hunting, I'd use the lower end of the power range. And if you do that with a first focal plane, a lot of guys say, man, all you have to do is get illumination. And that's true to a certain extent, but if the illumination is on, you're having to look through the illumination. You're losing a lot. You're, you're losing a lot of the light downrange. So, I like I like hunting with the second focal plane exclusively or a fixed power scope, so it never shifts on me. 
um, a lot of the precision, long range stuff. I like a second focal plane because I can pick out something that has a really thin reticle and the reticle is not gonna get too thick as the power goes up and it allows you to do a little more precise shooting. But when I go out with my buddies and we're spotting for each other, we almost exclusively use first focal plane. That way, when you call out a sight correction, you get it right. And I, a lot of guys say, well, all you have to do is turn a second focal plane to this, you know, to this particular power. That's what it's gauged at. They're almost never right. And if you say if your scale is set for 10 power and you set it on 9 or 11, you're off at least 10%. So if you're calling out, you know, uh, two and a half mils, you're going to have to judge that. And it, and when you're out there trying to turn the magnification, it's hard to get it dead on. Mm -hmm. So uh, with the long range precision stuff, there's a reason I use first focal plane, but for hunting, the low end of the magnification range is almost always useless. That's just my personal opinion, but where I hunt, it's, it's really dark, dark timber. Mm -hmm. And the first focal plane stuff, you regret it more than you enjoy it. That just, that's just been my experience. No, that's yeah. good. And, and that's good for people to consider too, because I think a lot of times people see, um, they're like, oh, it makes sense. I don't, I don't have to do any kind of math or when I change my uh, magnification, I don't have to consider what I'm changing the magnification to right, and all right. that kind of stuff. Um, but just for a practical sense, like you said, your reticle is going to stay the same. Um, and your, your kill zone, if you're hunting big game, typically right. you're, you don't really need that much precision, right? Um, you know, pinpoint accuracy, yeah, um, for that kill zone still on, a, on an animal. So, um, cool. So, what do you think? What are most people having at this competition? Have uh, is it going to be uh, beneficial for the first focal plane or second focal plane, or have you seen a lot? Of there's different? a lot of both. The thing I'm really noticing that I didn't notice the last year at RMAC because I'm a scope guy, so I notice it um, is how many guys are using second focal plane right now there's a couple of really really good ones now some of them are really expensive the delta striker five to fifty there's several of those there uh, a lot of the scopes that are available in second or first i'm seeing more of the second focal plane because i think a lot of the guys the targets here are so incredibly small and when you turn the power up the reticle grows with you and a lot of times you're just having to bracket you're not able to aim right in the center of something you know like you would be with a second focal plane so you know, I, I'm seeing more of them here and the, because you already know what the yardage is. They're not going to move. So just dial it to that yardage and go to work. And the more precise you can aim, it gives you more confidence or it does me. You know, that's a lot of the reason, a lot of reason I do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of the sh good shooters like these guys are, but I'm good enough on a good day that I can appreciate, you know, I can aim inside of a bullet hole at 100 yards with a first focal plane. That's really hard to do. Right. Yeah. You know? and, that, and that's another good thing to consider is that. The, in the higher end of that magnification range, if you're going for something super small like a, a bench rest target and you're trying to hit that, I mean, it's the size of a pellet basically. Yeah. I mean, if a, your reticle's covering that up, it's going to be a, a nightmare for you. But Right, right. Um, so those are just some good things to consider for hunting and competition shooting, and maybe this will ch weigh your decision on if you're going to go with the first or second focal plane um, scope. But what is, what's maybe something that you're not seeing here, what would not be a good scope, like a fixed magnification or something uh, like that? One of the low power scopes would hurt. Uh, uh, Dakota actually won uh, the EBR with a fixed 16 power. And, uh, but if you have a fixed power, you need a higher magnification range. And here, 
because so much of the shooting, you might be shooting 50 yards today, 100 tomorrow, 275 the next day. It's going to be hard to get a fixed power that'll do all of that stuff. Most of the serious competitors at this or any of the other air gun events have more than one gun. They'll have one for this particular shooting discipline with a particular scope for that and then another gun for the other. Me personally, I, because I have access to a lot of scopes, I have one gun but I'll have one scope that I use for this particular competition, then I'll pull it off, put my other scope on that I feel is better suited. And that's a lot cheaper for me than to try to set up another super expensive air rifle. Right. You know, it's a lot cheaper for me just to have two optics and when your optics is really devoted to one discipline, it doesn't have to be a Swiss Army knife. You know, it can just be good at this one thing and that's all you need it to do, just do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of the stuff here, like a lot of the stuff on my channel, if you guys watch, I do a lot of tracking tests on, on the scopes. But for this kind of a competition, it's more important that it'll hold zero and won't ever move. Mm -hmm. You know, because it doesn't do any good if it tracks, if it's drifting around on zero. As a matter of fact, one of the guys I'm staying with, who's very capable of winning this, uh, we had to change one of his scopes last night, put one of my scopes on because it wouldn't hold zero. It just started getting, you know, slack or whatever happened inside of it, the lens come loose. So there was no way he could win with it. We just had to take it off, put another scope on. And this is a $1,600 scope he's fixing to have to send back. So, you know, that's disappointing, man, especially on a, on a PCP air rifle. There's not any recoil to speak of, right. but the scope's still crapped out. I mean, it's, it's, it could be frustrating. It really can, it definitely man. definitely can. As far as uh, scope gripes, what are some of the things that, if you could just talk to the general scope manufacturer population, what do they need to fix? Uh, my personal opinion, they build what you guys want. If you want super high magnification, you want locking turrets, you want a side focus, you want illumination, you want it to come in under $500, they will build that, and they do build that. But when you get so much, there's compromises and they have to make choices. They're not able to use the best glass, the best mechanics. It doesn't have to be tier one, just really good, reliable. They put every feature that you wanted in a scope. That's what they do for a living. They listen to their customers. They put what you want, but when you insist on having a low price range, you're gonna get something that's not gonna be, you know, uh, you're not gonna be able to depend on it. If you've got $1,000 to buy a four-wheel drive SUV, it's got a seat six, you know, it's got to have 400 horsepower. You may can get that, but you won't be able to rely on it. And, and the scopes are the same way for most guys. If you've got a budget, a $300 scope, uh, the SWFA fixed power, I think is the best buying optics. That's just overall, and I don't have a dog in the fight with any of these companies, but I think that is the very best buying optics. And there are thousands of guys that'll agree with me. But the downside is you don't get illumination. You don't get to change magnification and it's a fairly heavy optic. But the trade-off is, is how much you get for the money. Right. You know, because it's not loaded with features. So if you get something that's same price range, it's loaded with features, uh, it's not gonna be dependable. You yeah. know, the entry, the entry level to get an optic you can depend on, I think is $100 for the Hawk 2 to 7. The higher magnification Hawks are useless in, in the budget Scott mm -hmm. Hawk line. The good, the good Hawk stuff is good. Uh, the next step up, honestly, man, is I think the $300 SWFA and the next jump to that, you have to jump to $400. And there's a lot of guys here that'll argue if you don't have a $1,500 scope, you can't compete, but that's not true. Yeah. That's not true. You take Ted Beer, John Bogakas, 
uh, Dave Corder, Ken Hicks, Chris Brada. You give any of these guys a four-power weaver and they'll tear your butt up, you know. I mean, they'll, they'll stomp a mud puddle in your ass. You know, I, I couldn't beat them regardless of what optic they had. But you take a really good shooter with a good gun and a good optic, it's almost impossible to beat them. If they're having a good day, they're reading the wind, you can't beat them. You, you just can't. And the majority of the guys out here uh, shooting, and a lot of these guys have access to the true tier one scopes. I'm talking that start at $2,500 and go up. That's not what's on their guns. It really isn't. And they've got them. I've seen them, sure. you know, but the, it's not necessary to have that kind of optic and spend that kind of money to be competitive. I mean, uh, I mean, when Dakota won, mm -hmm. that was a $300 SWFA, 16 power, and he beat, he didn't just win, he kicked their ass. That kid can shoot, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, it, it's more about practice and knowing what you're using. But if the optical holds zero and most confident scopes will, you can win. All right. You can win. That's fair. That's, that's good advice. So, guys, uh, that's all really great advice. If you want more awesome scope information, if you want real, you, legit, no smoke uh, optics reviews, you got to check out Joe's channel. Joe, what, what's something that's going on with your channel right now? What can you tell people who are maybe new to the channel? What do we do uh, on your channel there? Well, you know, if guys watch my videos, they like, subscribe. That always helps. Uh, the thumbs up, I guess that doesn't hurt either. But sharing the channel, if, and not just my channel, if you guys have a YouTube uh, channel that you like, if you're like me and you like Tay's podcast, share it with people because this traffic that comes from outside sources give a lot more traction, a lot more credibility to any channel on uh, social media. So that helps probably more than anything, you know, and, and leave comments. And guys, you know, will leave a lot of times the comments like they'll, you know, I know there'll be guys that'll probably leave a comment on this video you know, you're full of shit. You got to have a $2,000 scope to win. And it's, no, I'm not. You know, I shoot with the best air gunners in the, not just in the country, in the entire world. And that's not what they're using. They don't have to. Not, and they got the budgets to do it. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. But it's just not necessary. You don't have to do it. I'm driving from Utah to almost Louisiana. I've got a budget SUV. You know, it doesn't have to be a Range Rover to drive that far. You know, I'd love for it to be a Range Rover, but it's not, you know. And there's a certain point in optics where good enough is good enough, and those are the price points I really try to focus on. The majority of guys that watch my channel can't afford a $3,000 scope. Now, there are some guys that can, and I try to do a few of those too, but I try to keep my scopes focused somewhere between about $300 to about $1,500, because that's at least 75% of the optics market, of the optics market is right there. So that's where I try to do it, because I want, I want more people to watch my videos. You know, I do this, it's a lot of fun, I love doing it, but I, you know, I want people to see what I'm doing, you know, the time I'm putting in, and uh, the guys that do watch my channel, man, I, I really do appreciate you. you. You just can't know enough how much it means to me to be somewhere like this, and guys walk up, and shake my hand, hey man, I like your videos, they're a lot of fun, you know, you're crazy as hell, you know, it's just, they're fun. I try to make them fun to watch, man. I try to make the videos like I would personally want to watch, mm -hmm. you know, so. And that's good, yeah, and if you guys haven't heard the episode, uh, I've, I've had Joe on the podcast before and we talked about how he got into all this, his crazy story, uh, and it's good stuff, so make sure you check that out, make sure you check out Joe's channel, and don't forget about the giveaways. This yeah. guy does more giveaways than, I don't know, Who's someone who does a lot of giveaways? Mother Teresa? Uh, I don't know. I, I do know. Either way, this guy gives away an unbelievable amount in of 20, quality stuff. In 2020, I gave away $28,000 worth of scopes. 
So that'll give you an idea how many giveaways I have. And matter of fact, uh, I have, I try to get at least one every two to three weeks, but at minimum once a month. But I've got a 75,000 subscriber thing coming. It'll be months from now. But when I get that, I'm giving away a $3,000 Valdata scope. $3,000 scope, 100% free to anybody in the United States. That's reason enough alone to subscribe, follow along with Joe, and check out the reviews. Because uh, even if you don't like that scope, you can sell it. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You probably sell it back to me because I love it. All right. right Tell you, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate I appreciate it. All right, everyone. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for checking us out. Again, if you're new to the channel, I really appreciate you. If you're a longtime listener, I also appreciate you. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please consider doing so. That helps us grow, helps the sport grow, helps you get better content, helps me feel better about myself. It's a win-win for everyone. If you are not supporting the podcast, the most free and easiest way to do it is just social media. Share, like, comment, follow on all the social media platforms. And if you want to support financially, there's a few ways you can do that. You can go to theairgunpodcast.com, you can buy merchandise, or you can go to the bottom of the section of this podcast and you can click support. And then you can pledge a monthly amount for as little as 99 cents per month to help cover costs of the podcast and the things that I do to make this content go. Uh, Instagram is the platform that I respond to the most on. And if you want to send emails to the podcast, you have questions or inquiries, want to hear a certain topic covered, then just email theairgunpodcast at gmail.com and we'll get right back with you. Thanks, peeps.